Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. You are now listening to... Pat's Pulpit Podcast. All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Pat's Pulpit Podcast. I am Alex Shane, here with my good buddy Rich Hill. And Rich Hill, usually when I sit here and I talk with you on a podcast about the season being over, it's February, and the Patriots won the Super Bowl. And uh, it's November, and the season is more or less over because the Patriots lost to the Bills. They've dropped four straight, and now sit at two and five. Very big uphill climb. Are you okay? You handling it all right? Uh, yeah, totally. No, I mean you're so true. When it's uh, this is a very rare situation. Patriots have lost four in a row for the first time since 2002. Their season is over this early in the season for the first time since probably 2000. Um, so it's been a long time since we've been at this point. But I think what's important to note is that, yeah, the Patriots have lost five out of their past six games. Uh, they've lost, you know, nine out of their, their last, like, I think they, have, they only have four wins <laughs> going back to week 13 of, of last season. So they have been struggling. They don't have a lot of talent at this point. And what I am liking and choosing and opting to focus on is what Bill Belichick was talking about this past week, uh, where he was more transparent than he's usually ever been, um, where he was answering a question about uh, what's going on with the Patriots. Uh, Do they not have as much talent as previous years? And he was like, you know what? We only had a million dollars that we could pay Cam Newton. That kind of gives you a heads up on how much our cap space was, was going on with. And uh, we sold out to win during the end of Tom Brady's tenure. You know, we brought in Brandon Cooks. We traded a lot of draft picks for veterans who were able to contribute immediately. And it worked out pretty nicely. Uh, Over a span of five years, they reached four Super Bowls and an additional AFC championship game. Uh, they, They won three of those Super Bowls. And so, yeah, it turned out pretty nicely. The, you know, chickens have to come home to roost at this point where the Patriots have to, you know, pay up for all of the mortgaging of the future that they did but if there is any year in which the patriots are going to choose to say you know what let's reset our cap space and move forward and just be better next year why not do it during a just an absolutely ridiculous covid season where no one has any real expectations absolutely i mean again we wrote an article about it if if you were to pull 32 including patriots 32 fan bases and you tell them i will guarantee you three super bowls in five years but at the cost of, let's say, three consecutive losing seasons, every single fan base takes that trade off every single time. The Patriots have been good for 20 years, and like you said, you have to cash it eventually. And this is a good year to do it because the season is kind of nonsensical as 
looking around the league in week eight, a lot of upsets, and there's not really one dominant team that can't win on any given Sunday. It's pretty crazy. Yeah, seriously. I mean, you look around the league and who are the, the truly exemplary teams? Uh, you got Pittsburgh and the Chiefs in the AFC, and you have Seattle in the NFC. You could possibly throw Tampa in there, but they're kind of inconsistent. They have a great defense, but they go as well as, you know, how is healthy is the offense at that point in time with Tom Brady. Uh, you have Green Bay, but they just lost to the Vikings. You have the Saints, the the Cardinals, uh, the Rams. I mean, like, the NFC has, like, some good teams, but they're, they're all kind of muddled at this point. And I think that in any given year, you wouldn't say that they're a runaway favorite. So, uh, yeah, I mean, when the Patriots aren't the, the clear team with the target on their back like they normally are, it doesn't really seem like any team other than probably the Chiefs are in a position to take that mantle. It would seem that way, and it seems like the AFC will go through Arrowhead. I'll be very curious to see if there's going to be anybody in the stands come the AFC Championship game in January. It's a long way away in terms of what can happen between now and then, but that seems to be the the direction the NFL is taking. A real pivot, though, is that the Patriots uh, lost to the Bills. Seven-game losing uh, streak has been snapped the last time the Bills beat the Patriots. Didn't really count because Jacoby Brissett was playing with a broken thumb. And it was a Tom Brady suspension year, and they went back to the Super Bowl that year, and it was kind of a mess. Overall, though, Rich, um, this is a really frustrating loss in that not just the way that it ended with the, the fumble to close up the game, but I'm pretty sure I'm pretty confident the Patriots win on that walk-off touch on Ham Cam Newton not fumbled. But I thought there were actually flashes of this game where the Patriots looked really good on offense. Besides uh, the throws by Cam Newton, some good running. Defensively, they did. They played pretty well, but they just couldn't quite put it all together. And that might be just the Pats in a nutshell. They have talent, they have ability, but there just isn't quite enough there to really put it all together for a full 60 minutes. And when they're up against a good team like the Bills are, they're going to, unlike years past where Patriots forced other teams to find ways to lose, they're going to find ways to lose this time around. Yeah, and I, I agree. And I think part of it is that the there there are some players that who deserve to be on the NFL field uh, from the skill position grouping. I think the Patriots have a fantastic offensive line despite all of the injuries that they've been facing this year. So I think that positional group is great and that they would be a great unit in any given year. But looking at the other skill players, Damian Harris has been great. Uh, he clearly is the top running back on the team. He shouldn't, in, like in my mind, ever give up that lead back spot to Sony Michelle when Michelle comes back because Harris is just a more explosive runner, a more decisive runner. Uh, and, and uh, you know, I mean, you can only say so much as uh, Michelle has had a lot of injuries that are kind of beyond his ability to prevent but you know so long as Harris is healthy he should have that top spot although I do think that the Patriots should throw him the ball a little bit more uh, so he doesn't get to face the stacked boxes like Sony Michelle had to over the course of his early career um, but other than Harris Jacoby Myers is a player I want to talk about because he has emerged as Cam Newton's favorite target over the past couple of weeks he is the number one receiver uh, and he didn't really play over the, the first, you know, five games of the season. So, Alec, when you say you see the talent on this offense, when you see the players emerging, who are your eyes on? And do you think that this is something that is uh, the result of just not having skill players that uh, are able to stand out? Or are these players that are going to be good pieces for the Patriots in the future? Yeah, I mean, good question. You know, uh, no disrespect to Cam Newton. Uh, I think he's a talented player, but he's no Tom Brady. Cam Newton is not the kind of force multiplier that Tom Brady was, where Brady was able to take 
pretty lackluster cast of characters and make thousand other receivers out of them. You know, you think back to the Rache Caldwell era and the Doug Gabriel era. Like, there are players who aren't that talented in terms of an NFL perspective playing with Tom Brady who are able to deliver. I don't think Cam Newton has that ability. So if you are a receiver or a skilled player making plays on the Patriots offense right now it's because of your merit and not the quarterbacks as much, not to discredit Cam Newton, but that's kind of the way it is. Which leads me to believe that Jacoby Myers, maybe his, his injury, him not practicing, uh, maybe there was an issue with Cam, I don't know, maybe Cam Newton forcing the ball to Nikhil Harry over more than he should, but Myers has really emerged. He's not a, a world beater in terms of speed. He's got a little slow on the on the cut with his feet, but he's got good hands. He's instinctive. He knows where he's supposed to be. He gets there when he has to get there, and he was the guy Newton was going to when they needed a play, and I think that says something, and I think Jacoby Myers is a piece of this offense going forward. Uh, as you said, Damian Harris, I think, is a, is a very solid running back. I, I, I'm very curious to know, Rich, if you would consider Sony Michelle uh, a draft bust based on his career so far, what he's done in the postseason, Super Bowls, and the campaign he's had so far with Harris waiting in the wins, getting several rounds later. But between Harris, between Jacoby Myers, I think Gunnar Olszewski has some skills. Uh, I like Demir Bird. I think he's a good wide receiver three. I don't think he's really a number one guy. I think they do have pieces in place. We can talk about Isaiah Ford later. I know you're high on him. So I think they do have pieces in place to be a, a competent offense. I do, however, Rich, think they are maybe one – game changer away from being really really potent but the good news is in 2021 they're gonna have tons of cast space they can go get them totally totally i mean like i i think back to the cast of 2013 right when the patriots brought in danny amendola edelman had his first year as the guy in the offense gronk was in and out with his injuries but when all of those players were dealing with their injuries you had Aaron Dobson and Kenbrell Tompkins who stepped up and they were they were solid as number three, number four options in an offense. And, you know, in a pinch, they could rise to the occasion as a number two. I kind of think that's what Jacoby Myers category falls into. And same with Demir Bird. I, I don't think that they are going to be a number one or even a number two receiver in an offense that doesn't have a number one. And since Edelman is not the same player that he was since he's on the injured reserve, absolutely the Patriots need another playmaker in order to open up the field for these guys. I've been very impressed with Myers and what he's been able to do uh, just simply because there hasn't been a, you know, a magnet receiver that is drawing away coverages, forcing opposing defenses to react and respond to their presence. And so I think Myers is a good piece moving forward as a number two or three guy, so long as there's a better guy at number one. And that's that could have been Nikhil Harry. I just don't, I mean, he's dealing with a head injury right now. He has a history of those. So hopefully he's able to make a full recovery. But at this point, I mean, as you said, I would be looking towards free agency to see who is the veteran that the Patriots can bring in at the wide receiver position to really settle it down and make it easier for players down the line. Because you can't rely on a 35-year-old Julian Edelman coming off of a knee surgery uh, as a, a centerpiece of your offense anymore. Do you think Edelman is done after this season? If you had to guess right now, or think he can put it back together and, and get back to his old self? Ooh, I don't. I don't know if he's necessarily done from a him trying to play perspective, but I wouldn't be surprised if he's done from being that same impact player that he had been prior to the injury. Uh, you know, when he came back from his ACL injury, and he was just a fantastic number one receiver for this Patriots offense, and he did very well when there was another good option in a healthy Gronkowski or a healthy anyone else to kind of 
ensured teams couldn't bracket against him. I think that brackets have proven to be super effective against him as of late, and that's just because there's been no one else drawing coverage away. And I think that he is the type of person that will continue to try to make his way back to the field, even if he's not able to be the same player. Um, but I, if he comes back, I wouldn't be surprised if he's like, I'm going to go sign in Tampa Bay, because why not? And <laughs> so be, be with my old, good friend Tom Brady. Yeah, I mean, I agree. He'll be, he'll be 35, right, 36, uh, pushing 36. That's just old for NFL player, particularly NFL player who's not like a, a straight root running burner kind of guy he works in the slot he works in the mud a lot and that that those cuts that, that takes a toll on your knees and he's a first ballot patriots hall of famer i don't think anyone doubts that but uh, i'll be very curious to see what his future holds for for the patriots uh, i want to go back though to i think the real strength of this unit offensively right now is the offensive line as you mentioned and the running game uh, i think without the running game without davian harris without rex burkett and sony michelle who i think are really carrying this offense in a lot of ways i'd be very uh, scared of the few how much fewer yards they'd put up game in and game out uh bills aren't a, a stellar they were missing some players uh, on defense and so it's not like there was this like massive unit and the patriots were still able to put some yards up but again that's the earlier question rich sony michelle patch used a first round pick on him he was good. He had a phenomenal postseason. He scored the go-ahead touchdown in the Super Bowl. He is largely responsible, and not largely, but he had a very big role to play in Tom Brady's sixth ring. But the way Damian Harris is playing, the way the running back committee is playing, the way the running back position has shifted and morphed over the course of the NFL seasons as passing becomes more important, Tony Michelle will... I'd be very surprised if they pick up his fifth-year option, if he's on the team for uh, the bulk of his career. Based on what Sony Michel has done, what he hasn't done, the time he spent on and off the field, would you categorize him as a draft bust for the Patriots? Ooh, okay, so that's tough. So in my mind, the way I look at it is that if any draft pick has been a major contributor on a Super Bowl champion team, they are not a bust. Uh, and, you know, even if it's just a one year thing, in my mind, if you invest a first round pick in a player who is a major contributor on a championship team, then I will not say and like they play well, I will not say that they are a bust. I will say that it wasn't necessarily a smart investment. <laughs> I will say that uh, it's been proven time and time again that you can get high quality running backs in the second, third, and fourth rounds that can play just as well as first round running backs that you know are much more cost effective. And so uh, point main being uh, Damian Harris, who has been better than Sony Michelle has. Uh, and so I, I think that it wasn't necessarily a smart pick to take a running back in the first round. Uh, but I mean, like, I've always also taken the stance that taking a late first round running back is not as egregious as taking an early first round running back because you're always looking at the position as a value over the replacement player based off of their salary, right? So like Sony Michelle was earning $3 million a year as a running back. That's basically his late first round contract. That puts him in like, you know, the 20th ish highest paid running back in the league. And if he's, in my mind, if you're able to play better than your average pay, then yeah, that's like a good value. I think you could get better value. You know, like I think Isaiah Wynn at, as a first round pick is playing far greater than his first round contract based off of how other left tackles are being paid. So that's like a much better value over your salary cap 
payment. But I, I think that it was fine. It, he he wasn't like a net negative on the Patriots' salary cap, but I just think that there were better opportunities elsewhere. So to follow that up, question, Rich, with this, when Sony Michel comes back off IR when he's healthy, based on how Harris is playing, what do you do with him? Do they just platoon Michel and Harris? Is he a healthy scratch? What's his role in the offense going forward for the rest of this kind of lost season? Yeah, honestly, I don't know, because uh, unless you have Harris and Michelle splitting the exact same role, uh, I don't really see what he'll be doing. Maybe a short yardage guy, um, you know, take on that, you know, goal line sort of running back package, because right now you have Harris being the running back between the 20s. You have Rex Burkhead being the running back inside the 20s, and then you have James White being the running back on third down passing situations. That's generally how they approach it. Um, and, and I just don't see a unique role for Michelle where he does anything particularly better than Harris. So, you know, if he comes back healthy, maybe there could be some time and they just run with a hot hand. But honestly, I, I think that his time as the Patriots top running back is over. Yeah, I think I agree with that. But again, I agree with you completely. He got the page at Super Bowl. Uh, ask anybody, we'll pick this guy in the first round. He'll get you a ring. You take that. That's not a first-round bust. I do think unless, though, there's like a Saquon Barkley, Adrian Peterson-style runner available in the first round, you, you don't pick a running back in the first round just because of the nature of the position, but uh, I will never begrudge Shoney Michelle for what he's able to do for the Patriots, particularly that 26-yard run on second and nine backed up from the three that completely flipped the field. That was probably my highlight of his entire career in New England, but good for him, good for Harris. I think the offense has some pieces, but like we said, they're just not there yet from a talent perspective. How about the defense, Rich? The defense has always been the Patriots' kind of bread and butter, or at least the past couple of seasons. They have been gashed in the past they only gave up 24 points against the Bills, which isn't horrible. It's not great. Were you overall impressed with the defense or a little worried about how, what you saw against Buffalo? Uh, mixed bag. It's a mixed bag. I think, first off, it's important to say that Stephon Gilmore was not traded at the deadline, so he is staying with the team, and it's <laughs> keeping the team's best secondary together, and that's obviously their strength, right? I mean, Josh Allen, if you told me coming into this game, honestly, that Josh Allen would only complete 11 passes with zero touchdowns and interception for 154 yards, I'd be like, oh my god, Patriots are going to win this one so easily. Uh, and that's in tune because of their secondary. I think they have so many good pieces here, not just for this year, but moving forward. I'm not sure how much longer Devin McCourty, Jason McCourty are planning on playing, but they have really good young players in Jonathan Jones and JC Jackson. Uh, and I think Adrian Phillips is, is a real good piece of the secondary as well, uh, even though Kyle Duggar hasn't really uh, had a role for this team. Um, I, I think that their secondary is going to be good. The big problem, though, comes with their defensive front seven. And in part, you look at the Buffalo Bills, Devin Singletary, Zach Moss, 28 carries for 167 yards and two touchdowns. Patriots could not stop the run. Uh, and part of that, I don't know if that was Bill Belichick doing his take the air out of the ball defense that he likes to employ against high-flying passing attacks. That just wasn't the case. I mean, this Patriots defensive front is pretty shallow in talent. Chase Winovich's role has completely evaporated as Patriots have used different defensive fronts than they usually do. Uh, they're favoring Dietrich Wise in that look as opposed to uh, playing more of Winovich, which in my mind, I think Wise is a good player. But I think Winovich is the best player in the Patriots' defensive front, and to not get him more time out there is a big issue. Uh, you, you look at that rotation. They have John Simon, Dietrich Wise. Uh, 
the fact that Tashawn Bauer, Nick Thurman, these players were getting more snaps than Chase Winovich, who only had five snaps, I think is just wrong. I, I think that then uh, clearly your defensive front isn't working, so uh, change it. There's no, it's not like it's working well, and so therefore you can keep a talent like Winovich off the field. It's not working with regards to stopping the run. It's just not working at all. And so there has to be a change. And that change needs to involve getting your best defensive front player back on the field. Yeah, I mean, this team cannot stop the run. They just can't stop it. They've given up over 500 yards in three games. I don't think anybody respects their front seven. You know, the Bills the Bills running backs, the Broncos running backs, there's not like world-beating kind of, but like they just cannot stop the run. Guys are averaging six yards a carry in a situation where the Patriots' offense is not built to come from any kind of behind because they can't score <laughs> touchdowns. But like if they, if they get down like 14 to three, that's kind of the game because they just really can't play catch up. And with the defense is giving up these long sustained drives on the ground. Uh, there's just not a recipe for success. And it makes me wonder if I do think I'm not going to make an excuse, but looking at the, the linebacker depth on this team or the mm -hmm. complete lack thereof, or basically it's Jawan Bentley and the number two linebacker is Adrian Phillips, who's a safety. <laughs> um, that just doesn't really bode well for the run. I think with Hightower opting out, with losing Van Noy and Jamie Collins in free agency, I just think that the you know Bill Belichick has always prided himself on the strength and depth and versatility of the linebacker unit, and that just isn't there this year. And that's fine, but I it goes back to the earlier point we talked about how Belichick's basically like, this is kind of a lost season. We sold out the past couple of years. We don't have the cap space or the talent level. Not him say talent level, but you know what I mean. And without that linebacker core, which has more or less been the, the key cog in the defensive wheel, it's just all falling off. And that's all right. Um, but overall, I will say I'm not overly impressed with what I've seen on Jawan Bentley. He's been way too streaky for me. I think we were both very high on him in the offseason to really step up and be that be that guy. But in his defense, maybe he's really not the kind of player that's supposed to be the the number one linebacker. Maybe he'd be great with Dante Hightower next to him, who will be back next year for the Patriots. And with Patrick Chung in there, along with Adrian Phillips, maybe that's a really solid core that we'll see. And then Josh Uche, I thought, played pretty well in, in rookie relief. But I really think it starts and stops with that linebackers because there's really nothing separating between the front line and the good secondary, and teams are exploiting that hole. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, that's a fantastic analysis right there. I, I think the fact that the Patriots were not able to replace Kyle Van Noy and Jamie Collins in free agency or through the draft and that Dante Hightower opted out, it just means that they have a huge gap of talent in the most important position on a Belichick defense. And, I mean, we've always said this forever, that a Patriots defense is only as good as its linebackers. And when you have Anthony Jennings with a third-round pick not playing on defense, when you have Cash Maluia, who was everyone's expected number two off-ball linebacker uh, as a rookie, not playing on defense, you have Uche, who's just getting his first action, which is fine, but... There just is not a player out there that is capable of replacing that veteran ability. And so in my head, heading into next year, uh, it's one of the many positions on the Patriots that they need to bring in a veteran presence who can help settle down the positional group and play well enough in a pinch that the Patriots aren't either relying on a super young player without a lot of experience or opting not to play that position at all just because they don't have the talent. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, they will get better, I think, all across the board, and there is the cavalry coming next season. But uh, maybe a good way to close this podcast out, Rich, would be to, A, ask you 
is this truly a lost season? Are the Patriots totally out of it in terms of playoff chances? And B, maybe we should uh, revisit our kind of preseason floor and ceiling predictions for win losses and try and recalibrate them based on what we've seen so far. Yeah, totally. I mean, I, I think that the season is over for the Patriots. I think that, you know, at two and five, they're technically not out of it. Uh, they could go on a theoretical winning streak and catch up to the Browns, who are at five and three and in that last wild card spot. Uh, you also have the Ravens, Colts, and the Titans at five and two. So it's not necessarily out of reach. But you look at the Patriots' upcoming schedule: uh, Texans and Jets, notwithstanding. They got the Ravens, who are a playoff team; the Cardinals, who are a playoff team; the Rams, who are a playoff team. Uh, you got the you know another. You got the Dolphins again. Uh, another Bills game. This is a very tough backstretch for the Patriots, and if they are as weak on offense as they've been for the past four games, where they just are really struggling to put up points, and the opposing teams are able to run the ball on them at will, you know, 197 rushing yards against the, by the 49ers, 190 by the Bills. If opposing teams are able to run the ball so freely... This is going to be a very difficult game for the Patriots to come back from if they ever fall into a deficit. So I, I think, in my mind, there's not a chance that they come out of that back end of the season unscathed. No, I, I agree. And I think, honestly, you know, I think when, before the season started, I said their ceiling was 11-5 and five, with a floor of about 9-7. and seven. Uh, I had their guaranteed losses coming in being to the Chiefs, the Seahawks, the Ravens, split with the Bills, and probably the Rams. Those are my five losses coming in. And I thought that the Niners and the Texans games would be kind of toss-ups. It's a potential other seven losses. Um, I still stand by all five of my losses. I think those are all definitely going to be losses. But they already lost the Niners. They lost the Broncos. Uh, they're probably losing the Cardinals, who've kind of come out of nowhere. The Chargers game could be a real toss-up. The Texans game could be a real toss-up. I think they'll beat the Bills at home. They'll beat the Jets because the Jets are just terrible. Uh, who knows the <laughs> Dolphins? The Dolphins toward the end of the season. So I think there's now maybe a a 9-7 and seven ceiling for this team and probably like a 5-11 and 11 floor, 4-12 and 12 maybe, if things go really poorly. Yeah. No, I mean, I agree. I, I, I think before the season, I was like, if Cam Newton's able to be the Cam Newton that he was in 2015, or even just like who he was efficiently at the beginning of 20, uh, 2018, that the, the Patriots would be able to go 12 and four. And I think that over through the first three games of the season, if we had that Cam Newton for the whole year, then I would absolutely stand behind that 12 and four still. But, you know, he had COVID. He hasn't been processing things as well. The Patriots lost Edelman. They've lost Nikhil Harry for a little bit. They've been dealing with so many injuries on their offensive line that all of those predictions have gone out the window. I'm looking at the future schedule. I think the Ravens game is a loss. I think the Cardinals game is a loss. I think the Rams, Dolphins, and Bills games, uh, and I would even throw the Chargers game in there. I think they're going to split that set of four, so maybe two more losses there. And so, I mean, this is a brutal backstretch. I'm projecting at best the Patriots being 8-8 eight and eight, uh, if they finish the season as well as they possibly can. But, yeah, I'm with you at more of like a 5-11 and 11 finish for this team, which, honestly, I think is fine. They don't need to tank for Trevor. They don't need to. I think they're still out there competing, which I think is good for the team's you know morale as well as competitiveness and sets them up well enough for the future. They don't need a top pick to get a future quarterback. There will be talent at the bottom of that top 10, which is where I would expect them to be picking. No, I agree. And person this might just be the spoiled Patriots fan in me talking. I would personally rather them finish poorly and not make the playoffs at all 
then sneak in at eight and eight, nine and seven, and get bounced in the first round and lose more draft stock uh, because we've been there so many times by now. It'd be kind of fun to. I mean, when's the last time you're like, oh, man, the draft's going to be awesome for the Patriots this year? <laughs> Think about how many second-round picks Belichick can accumulate with a top-ten pick. How many DBs can he pick in the second round oh when he trades back? It's going to be amazing. He could replace the entire secondary with second-round picks and then yeah. replace them again the next season because they won't <laughs> be there. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> yeah, well, well, we'll have a lot to look at over the rest of the season. Hopefully the Patriots are able to correct course next week as they face the New York Jets, uh, which, guys, Monday Night Football. Uh, that is going to be a hugely regretful game, I imagine. <laughs> but uh, we will be breaking that game down later this week. Uh, we'd love to see the Patriots get back on track, at least get some some good mojo on that team. Uh, Alec, do you have any final thoughts as we're through eight weeks of the NFL season? I have one. It's not a very good one. Uh, the Patriots-Jets rivalry is back for all the wrong reasons. Oh, no. Oh, no, I hate it. Uh, <laughs> well, Alec, that's it for me. Until next time, you have a good one. See you, buddy. Later, man.